0: Welcome back to Growing in Grace. I want to talk to you today about parenting. You may not have ever considered parenting when you read the small letter of 3rd John. 3rd John is the shortest letter in the New Testament, and uh, it seems like that the Apostle John, when he wrote it, was being very transparent, very personable, and so I hope that you'll enjoy this. I want to entitle it keeping watch over their flock. At the time of the recording of this podcast, it's the Christmas season. We've just entered into it. And so when I think of Christmas and those original characters who were there uh, surrounding the the arrival of Jesus Christ, I think of the shepherds. It says at one point in uh, Luke's narrative, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night keeping watch over their flock. It kind of sounds like parenting to me. Perhaps your perspective and your view on parenting your kids is a lot like mine. I don't view it as night. Maybe I view it as day. It's just so fun and so full of joy. But I want to share with you to kind of uh, spring into this uh, lesson on Third John Something I read on LifeWay's research website, referring to a um, recent uh, survey by Springtide Research Institute. They interviewed a lot of Gen Zers. Are you familiar with that term, Generation Z? It's young people from the ages of 13 to 25. And one of the most prevalent things they discovered was that a lot of our young people feel uncertainty. In life right now and so how do they deal with the uncertainty that they feel well it says what they do is they turn to their most trusted relationships where do you think those are well 29% said they turn to the church that's pretty low I was thinking to myself why do they not want to turn to us and they said why they don't turn to the church under most cases. You know what they said? They said, because when we turn to the church, we do not find people who want to listen. And so I think that we've got to learn how to improve our relationships uh, with our students, with our children, uh, even with our young adult um, children. So that's why I want to talk about parenting or about ministry, because I think it's a lot like shepherding. We need to keep watch over our flock that God has entrusted to us. My wife's favorite book on parenting is actually entitled, Shepherding Your Child's Heart. Have you ever thought about what you do as a parent as shepherding? Perhaps you're a Sunday school teacher of a youth group uh, or a children's ministry. And uh, maybe you need to think in terms of, wait a minute, these are under my watch care. I'm looking out for these. I also remember uh, when my daughter was in a journalism class at college, one of her assignments was childhood depression. And she said, um, when she read me the the paper, one of the things it uh, highlighted was parents need to be aware of the depression, the discouragement that their children feel, but they also need to be open to conversations. And so that's why I thought, well, let's take... This shortest book in the New Testament, written by the Apostle John in his older years, you're going to hear him refer to himself as John the Elder, or just the Elder, but he's writing a younger pastor, and he wants to mentor this man. Perhaps he had been mentoring him. His name was Gaius, and he sent the letter by a godly man named Demetrius, and he was saying, "Um, you guys need to watch over the flock because there are wolves out there, spiritual wolves, like another man that is mentioned in this short letter named Diotrephes. And so I got to thinking, I wonder who are the people that are in our children's lives? Perhaps you have a child that is uh, in high school, or perhaps you have a child that's in college somewhere. Uh, Maybe these things may need to be on your radar. You may want to be praying about these six people that may be in your child's life, even this Christmas season. Like I said, John is very personable in this letter. And so let's see what he says. Let me start with verses one through four and introduce you to the first group that we should pray that God would place in each of our children's lives. How about the trainers? Listen to what John says. The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth, Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. For I rejoice greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you're walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Let's just stop right there for now. I want us to consider Are there people in our children's lives that would be like John the Elder? He's the oldest living apostle by this point. He's the only one left, more than likely. How is he passing down the faith? Well, I believe that he's training young men like this young, perhaps he's a pastor. uh, Perhaps he's uh, an elder in a church. We don't know for sure, but let's just call Gaius uh, the leader there in the church, and he's like a trainer. And so the Apostle Paul is, uh, John is still loving on this guy. Notice the affirmation that he gives him in verse one. The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. You ever tell your kids that you love them? Do you know that um, every day in my marriage, I've always tried to end my day, at least per, sometimes I start my day by telling my wife that I love her. But also, I have always told my daughters, every time that I'm with them, that I love them as well. I want them to know, to never have to doubt, does my dad really care about me? I want them to know through my own affirmation, yes, you're valuable to me and I love you. But there's something else that trainers do, they pray. They pray for those that are in their flock. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. Can't you hear the Apostle John just praying uh, for Gaius? He's saying, I pray that all may go well with you. Are you praying for those that are in your flock, in your family, in your Sunday school class, or let's say that you're in a camp ministry for those that are at camp? What about edification? He says, I want it to go well with your soul. He talks about truth. I think that edification is so important that we're speaking truth. We're we're building up, not tearing down those that are uh, in our flock. But also he says, I'm celebrating. He says, I rejoice greatly. As a matter of fact, he goes on to say, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Do you celebrate when those who are in your flock and your family when they're walking in truth. You know, I remember reading a book by Josh McDowell where he said, find your kids doing something right and make a big deal about it, celebrate it. Because often what can happen in parenting is that our kids only hear when we're displeased with something in their lives. But when was the last time that we found them doing something right? And we said, I am so thankful that you're doing this. We need to pray that God would, Place in our kids' lives trainers who will love them and pray for them, who will build them up in the faith, who will celebrate when they're doing the right things, especially when we're not there. But let's move to a second group. How about the teachers? You see, Gaius more than likely was a teacher, like a pastor. And for sure, John thought a lot about him because he says, Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your effort efforts for these brothers strangers as they are but i got to thinking about how this man was known for faithfulness what was he faithful to well i would say definitely one thing is he was loyal to the truth i believe he was also living the truth you see this man is a grown man gaius and yet paul says i have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. When he uses the word children there, he's not trying to belittle Gaius. He's just saying, Gaius, I can't believe how you're living it out, man. I'm so excited for what I see in your life. But then also, I think he he was known for loving people with sincerity, a genuine love, a genuine concern. And I believe that's what is referred to when he says that he He testified to your truth. I believe there was genuineness in Gaius's life. And so John is writing to him and saying, I'm so excited. But you know, I think that all of these are related to truth, aren't they? You know, the apostle John was known as the apostle of love, right? But I think he's also known as the apostle of truth. There's a balance. I think we ought to love, but we also ought to speak truth. Speaking the truth in love is what the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus. I believe that John the Apostle, even though he's maybe getting on up there in age, this man was still a tiger for the truth. But anyway, I just found that interesting. and if you were to put all of the times he refers to truth in the gospel, the Gospel of John or his letters, he mentions truth 46 times. Truth was important. To John, in truth, was important to Gaius. But let me introduce you to a third group. I think we also can pray that God would bring trailblazers. Perhaps there's some areas in our children's lives that are still spiritually underdeveloped, maybe relationally underdeveloped. And so God may bring someone who's like, well, itinerant, someone that will come into their life like when they go to camp. Camp ministries, we're very close to Pine Cove ministries here in our community, but maybe a camp, maybe associational work, maybe evangelists or missionaries, but these are vitally connected to churches. When I look at verses five through eight, they're connected to churches, they're sent out by churches, and they're supported by churches. You know, I think that whenever we send people out for missions, you know what happens to a church? We begin to realize that God's kingdom, God's vision, God's work is bigger than just us, just our church. But also I think the same could be said for parents. Sometimes we feel like our family is the whole world, but it's really not. God's heart beats for more than just our own personal family. And so God may show you someday exactly how vital it is that there are people serving him in other locations beyond your hometown, beyond where you live right now. And so it's great whenever God would bring in a trailblazer. You see, who is he referring to when he says, uh, these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church, you will do well, he says in verse six, to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. For they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. Who is John even referring to? Who are these trailblazers? Well, most Bible scholars think he's referring to these traveling men, women, that would be on mission for the Lord beyond where they lived. They would leave their own church, their own community, and go to serve in other places. And so just know that God has people wherever your child, your son, your daughter, your grandson, your granddaughter, wherever they live, God's got somebody in that community. And so ask him to send a trailblazer who will lead your son, your daughter, your grandson, your granddaughter into new vistas in their discipleship. But I think also we can pray that God would give other team players In their lives. You know, more than likely, uh, this was referring to Ephesus. Some of these people here are in churches. He mentions, you know, other churches, and he mentions friends in verse 15. When he ends this letter, he says, peace be to you. The friends greet you. Greet the friends each by name. You know, I I can't help but believe that God placed you, if you're a father or a mother, Uh, God's placed you in your children's lives. You're the main team, okay? But in addition to team family, I think there ought to be a team church and there ought to be a team friends. I think we should pray that God would give our kids a church family and give them also friends, godly friends that will sharpen them in the Lord. I want to give you a couple of uh, scripture passages that you can look up later but I, I've read these passages and thought deeply about them. And I thought, what can the church team add to my family? Well, this is what I found in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. I think that a church team can give our family motivation, association, and affirmation. Those three things can be found in a church family where they, they think hard about how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, how we know that we're a part of them, we associate with them, we identify with them, we know that we belong. You know, kids, especially when they go away to college, they need to know where they belong. And so I think that a church family can really have a ministry to those who are away from their parents. But then there's also affirmation as it says that we should be encouraging one another in our local churches as we see the day drawing near. I encourage you sometime to read Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 and to pray, God, place a church team in my son or my daughter's life. Also, how about the friend team? You know, Jesus described how important friends were to him in John chapter 15, verses 11 through 15. He talked about things like joy and love and commitment and obedience. He talked about listening and sharing. So I couldn't help but think, Lord, place in my daughter's lives people who will laugh with them, people who will truly love them, people who will be loyal to them, people who will lead them in the direction of obedience to Christ, and people who will just listen to them and talk to them and and share with them and so forth that's what generation z says they're looking for they're going to find it why don't we be a part of them finding the right kind of friends you know the bible says bad company corrupts good morals but what if we were out there spiritually sort of bulldozing and saying lord this christmas i'm going to pray that this next year you would place in my kids lives a church team and a friend team that are gonna build them up strong in the Lord. Well, let's move to a fifth thing. I wanna skip a few verses and we'll come back to those, but I wanna go to a man named Demetrius. I feel like we can also pray that God would place spiritual transformers like Demetrius. I like that name, it just sounds so masculine to me. (laughs) But Demetrius, it says, Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. We also add our testimony, and you know that our testimony is true. There are three things that hit me about a good transformer, somebody that's gonna take the spiritual power that's in their life and share it and download it into someone else's life. I thought, Lord, place some Demetriuses in my daughter's lives. How about this one? Demetrius had a comprehensive testimony, whether it was among church people or among those who are outside of churches, saints or sinners. It said he has a good testimony from everyone. That's the kind of consistency that we need to pray for. But he was also not only consistent with all the different kinds of people that Demetrius was around, he was also consistent with the scriptures, the truth itself. You know, it says, Demetrius has a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. People knew that old Demetrius, he was a straight shooter. He was a straight liver. He just wanted to live according to what the word of God said he should live by. And so that's the kind of person. I want my daughters to have pace setters that are out there. You know, I was talking last night as we were decorating our Christmas tree we had our oldest daughter in Dallas on uh, Facebook and not Facebook, uh, FaceTime. And so we were FaceTiming her and there it was almost like she and her husband were there in the room with us as we were decorating the tree. And then she would show us her tree and so forth. But one of the things that blessed me so much was she told me how this uh, next weekend, how their small group from their church, they're a group of young adults, how they're going to all get together together. And celebrate Christmas together and I'm just so thankful for that vibrant small group ministry that uh, that church has for not only young adults but for all of the people in their church so I thought that was awesome but to have people that are going to be consistent with scriptures people that are going to be comprehensive in their testimony living the same way on a Monday at work on a Tuesday at school or on a Sunday at church, it doesn't matter. They're going to always be steady. That's the kind of people you need in your kids' lives. I guarantee you, they'll be a transformer. They'll be like Demetrius. But also, I think it's interesting how he had a confirmed testimony without any skeletons. It wasn't like there was something hidden in Demetrius's closet that was going to come out because John says, we also add our testimony. And you know that our testimony is true. And so this aged apostle John was writing to Gaius and saying, you know, Demetrius, I know him. I know him inside out. He's genuine. He's real. And uh, you won't be surprised by this guy. You know, I think to myself, our kids mean so much to us. They need people like all of these that I've mentioned so far so that they can bring great joy to the heart of the Lord but also bring great joy to the heart of a parent. He said in verse four, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. You know, I could definitely say that's that's right. But while that is true, I could also say there's no greater sorrow than to hear that your children are no longer walking in truth. Wouldn't that break your heart? You see, kids have that potential. If we don't give that to God, the whole thing could really be so hard for us. And if that's where you are today, I just want to give you these uh, prayer incentives from uh, the letter of Third John and say, pray these things for your kid. If uh, your son, your daughter, if they're kind of beginning to go uh, wayward, then I just encourage you to pray for them uh, these kinds of things. But while we could arrange uh, the the letter of Third John around Gaius, those who are open, those who give hospitality, those who live it out, or Demetrius, those who receive the hospitality, those who are going to uh, be transformers. There are also those who refuse hospitality and those who refuse the word of God, those who refuse the, the life and the, the motives and the incentives of Christ in terms of discipleship. The the sixth group that may be in your child's life right now would be the troublemakers. Listen to what it says about another man named Diotrephes in verses nine and 10. It says, I have written something to the church, but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I'll bring up what he's doing, talking wicked nonsense against us, and not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want to and puts them out of the church. So he wasn't open to missions. He wasn't open to evangelists. He wasn't open to Christian hospitality. He wasn't open to living a Christ-like life because really, let's look at what he says about him. He had domineering motives. You see, what he wanted was not for Christ to be preeminent, not for Christ to be first. It says he wanted to put himself first. And so I thought, wow, if there's people like that in our sons and daughters' lives and that rubs off on them, then just re- just be aware it will cause trouble for those who are dominated by just self-centered living. But there are also people out there who are gonna be defiant in their attitudes. They don't like authority. They don't like biblical authority. They don't like, you know, parental authority. They don't like church authority. They don't like government authority. They don't like anybody uh, telling them. They don't like people at work, you know, perhaps a boss helping them to know and how to improve. So they're defiant in their attitudes. They're destructive in their words. He says here that evidently this diatrophies, he was using words that shouldn't be said. He said, so if I come, I'll bring up what he's doing." talking wicked nonsense against us. And so just think about how this man was using destructive words. He was having divisive actions. You know, it says he wasn't allowing these itinerant missionaries or traveling Christians to to come in and stay in the homes of others in the church. And so he was just really uh, being so selfish. But I got to thinking about how You know, you're not the only one mom or or dad in your child's life. They can also be greatly impacted these days through, well, let's say social media or through an occupational mentor. Perhaps there's somebody in the workplace that begins to uh, have leverage over your child's heart. And suddenly you're thinking, why are they beginning to act this way? I've never seen these attitudes and these actions I never heard those words. Well, just know that it could be that someone in your flock is being attacked by a spiritual wolf out there. So that's why I'm just encouraging you as a parent to say, Lord, help me keep watch over the flock that you've entrusted to me. I know how much we love our kids and uh, definitely the Apostle Paul loved Gaius He loved uh, Demetrius, you can tell that. He loved that church in Ephesus. Uh, There's so many that he uh, cared about. But we definitely need to say, Lord, those that I care about in my life, help me to stay spiritually alert. Help me to have conversations with my children. Help me to listen to them. I pray that we can reverse this trend with Generation Z so that our kids would know They can talk to us anytime about anything and we will listen to them. We will pray with them. We will love them unconditionally and we will walk with them uh, toward all those problems and help them face it together. I hope this has been a blessing to you and I hope you'll enjoy your Christmas season as we focus on Christ who can do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we can ask or think. How about I pray to him Right now, and ask God to bless you. Lord, thank you so much for our listeners that listen in to these podcasts that we're putting on Growing in Grace. I pray you would bless them with grace, with strength, with joy. Uh, Lord, give them wisdom in how to raise their children. Fill up their tanks with lots of love. Help them to love their children with the same kind of love that you give to them. I pray that they would be willing to forgive when their kids don't measure up to their expectations. Help us to listen well, to care deeply. Help us, oh Lord, to walk with our kids, to coach them and not be disengaged. Thank you for the blessing of our children. Thank you for those gifts. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we're celebrating this Christmas, because you sent Emmanuel into this world. Lord, we are not alone. You said Emmanuel's name, Jesus' name means God with us. Thank you that you we do not have to parent alone. So bless us as we go through this Christmas season. Give us these kind of ideas that we can pray for our kids. We love them so much and we thank you for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, listen, you have a great day and I hope that God will bless you as you go through this Christmas season. Thanks again for listening in. See you next time on Growing in Grace. This is a ministry of First Baptist Church located at 1700 Milam Street, Columbus, Texas.